are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Wednesday, September 8th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and ready to get into constructing a game plan that is going to defeat the New England Patriots. So the way that we're going to do this throughout the rest of the week, we're going to do offensive and defensive game planning today. We're going to have power to the pot included in there, and then I realized I have not done season updated season schedule prediction for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, We lasted that when the schedule actually came out. And I want to make sure we update that before the start of the season. So Friday, we will go through the 17-game schedule, the Miami Dolphins, and we will make predictions on every game, win and loss. An important note on this. Each of the last two years, I have been one game short of the Dolphins' actual record in 2019. You can go back and check on USA Today. Had them 4-12. and Last year, 9-7. and They, of course, went 5-11 and 10-6. and So, there's a lot of responsibility and weight with this decision on Friday coming up. And we're going to do our absolute best to not sell the Dolphins short by game this time around. Third time's a charm, as they say. Uh, to any of my European friends who usually listen in the morning, uh, I apologize if I missed you today. Uh, dad mode, unfortunately, was required last night when I usually get my recording in. So this is an early morning Wednesday recording, uh, which means for once, when I say it's the Wednesday pot, it actually is the Wednesday pot <laughs> instead of the Tuesday night slash pot. So some odds and ends before we get into game planning for the Patriots. Happy trails. Miami Dolphins linebacker Vince Beagle, because you are now a former Miami Dolphins linebacker Vince Beagle. The news came through yesterday. The Dolphins reached an injury settlement with Beagle, waving him from the team. When he's healthy, he is free to sign with a different team at any time uh, that there is a market for him. And uh, Vince was kind of one of the poster children of that, the evolution that I think you're going to see from a lot of players uh, on the Miami Dolphins. And what I mean by that is the Dolphins took a flyer on Vince Beagle, trading Kiko Alonso for him straight up to New Orleans. Vince comes to Miami, plays really well with his opportunity in 2019. He plays hard, and that kind of goes into all the intangibles type stuff that the Dolphins care about and they're interested in. means a lot to him. He works hard. He loves the game. He's a good team. Like, blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. When Brian Flores is asked about any player ever in the history of the Dolphins press conferences, you know exactly what he's going to say because he gives those same bullet points to everybody. Well, Vince, those things apply to Vince. But as this team has matured and as this roster has developed, the seat at the table for Vince has dramatically decreased, even though they still like Vince, and even though it still felt like they wanted to try to have rotational reps available to Vince. 
it's just going to be the life cycle for a lot of names. And, and there's a lot of turnover on the roster from 2019 to 2020 and, and to a lesser degree, 2020 to 2021. But any holdover names, like unless you're a guy like Nick Needham, who continues to get better every single year, this team is going to outgrow a lot of players that played well for them in the 2019 team. That's just talent acquisition. And uh, Preston Williams might be the next name off that list, if we're being completely honest. As the team outgrows that player, as they get a better vision and they get more talent in the room and opportunities become harder and harder to, to maintain, especially when you're not healthy. And that's what we saw take place with Vince Beagle. So happy trails, Vince Beagle. Hopefully you are healthy and uh, can land on your feet somewhere and, and get back on the football field. Some corresponding moves, well, not necessarily corresponding to uh, IR waiver slash settlement. The Dolphins did add to their practice squad yesterday, uh, continuing to fish for offensive line depth. They added veteran offensive tackle Bobby Hart to the practice squad. Here's what you need to know about Bobby Hart. If he ever plays in a game for the Dolphins, we are in deep, deep, deep trouble. Uh, Bobby Hart uh, routinely, year in and year out, uh, has some, I know everybody saw, I'm sure a lot of you saw, I should say, the Austin Jackson low light reel from the preseason. That's effectively what you get from Bobby Hart annually, and he started 66 games in the NFL between the Giants and the Bengals. Believe he spent a quick jaunt on the Bills this summer. But I don't think you can turn your nose up to somebody who's A, on the practice squad, B, has 66 games of starting NFL experience, and can relay some of that experience to the young offensive linemen on the Dolphins who have played 16 or less games. And let's be honest, there's a lot of them. How many games has Austin Jackson played? Less than 16. Solomon Kinley, less than 16. Robert Hunt, less than 16. Lee Meikenberg's a rookie. Robert Jones is a rookie. It's more than half of your offensive line rooms played less than one season in the NFL. So all the experience that you can get your hands on, I'm here for it. No, and offensive line development, I think it's probably going to develop at a rate slower than the rest of the team, and that's just due to um, the complexities of that unit. It's due to how difficult it is to find, quote-unquote, pro-ready offensive linemen at the college level a lot of times. And we'll see what, it ha- what, what happens with that. But I do think Bobby Hart brings value to the Dolphins on the practice squad as a 66-game NFL starter who can help bring some more experience to the group, not necessarily dissimilar to what Eric Flowers did last year. Because Eric Flowers was like an epic NFL draft bus as a top-10 picket offensive tackle for the Giants that had to move to guard just to keep his career going. Bobby Hart, I don't think is, even has the ceiling of Eric Flowers. But he's got significant NFL starting experience. You want the value that Bobby Hart is going to bring to the table? That's where it lies. And then the last bit of news. The Dolphins protected three 
of their practice squad players this week. And they've already elevated one due to COVID being uh, Jamal Perry. So they protected three. Reed Sinnott, Jabal Sheard, and Calvin Munson. Reed Sinnott should probably expect to be protected every single week. The team's third quarterback. uh, They're only carrying two on the active roster. He probably will not be promoted unless there's an injury to either Tua or Jacoby Brissett. But that protection to know that that third quarterback is in-house, he's in the building, and he's going to know the system, and he's been groomed in the system, is invaluable. The other two, I would stay on red alert for expanded game day opportunities. Because remember now, you you get to elevate two players off the practice squad on any given Sunday for game day. Uh, as a part of the expanded rosters with the new collective bargaining agreement. So people always ask, you know, why are you doing 53-man roster projections? You get an extra two guys. You get them on game day, but game day only. They're guys you're bringing, elevating from the practice squad. So uh, I do think it's interesting in their choice in both Sheard and Munson. Uh, Munson from a special teams value perspective and Sheard as uh, edge depth, physical player. Uh, potentially somebody who they might get into the rotation to try and shut down uh, the New England Patriots rushing attack, which is going to be part of what we talk about. Next here on the show, we're talking New England Patriots. We're talking constructing a game plan to combat those Patriots. But we have to get, that's a lot of bookkeeping for a Tuesday before the start of the regular season. So I wanted to make sure that uh, we properly invested our time to make sure everybody was aligned, everybody knows what's happening with the roster. Because there's some significant maneuvers with veteran offensive linemen being added and blue-collar edge defenders and hybrid linebackers being released with an injury settlement and so on and so forth. It's that time of year again. Eyes are returning to the gridiron as football season is back. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo tomorrow when the Bucks play the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So where do we start? We need to construct an offensive and defensive game plan that's going to defeat the New England Patriots. And I want to start with the Patriots' offense because we touched on this a little bit uh, in the run-up to today's episode. You look at the this projected starters for New England. Outside at wide receiver, you've got Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. They're going to run a ton of 12 personnel, so your tight ends are going to be Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. And the offensive backfield, Mac Jones, Damian Harris, with presumably Ramondre Stevenson and James White and J.J. Taylor. Like, they got change of pace backs, receiving backs, but... Those two between the tackle heavy hitters, that's kind of where it's at. And then on the offensive line, Isaiah Wynn, Michael Nguyenu, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Trent Brown. 
they have ass kickers up front, if we're being completely honest. This is one of the best offensive lines in football. So how do you combat that? Um, the pressure is going to fall on the linebackers and the safeties this week because I'm, I'm going to ask Xavier Howard to shadow Nelson Aguilar. And then I'm going to put Byron Jones on Jacoby Myers. And I'm going to ask them to play a lot of one-on-one coverage, press man, and I want to disrupt the timing of those releases on the perimeter. And I trust the talent discrepancy that exists there that it's effectively going to become a nine-on-nine football game. And then when you take into account the quarterback is not a threat in the run game, it becomes an eight-on-nine football game in the run game. I like those numbers. So I'm playing a lot of of middle-of-the-field closed coverage, which means your free safety is responsible for the the middle-of-the-field, whether that's cover three on long down-and-distance situations. You want more eyes in the backfield to try and hunt the football. Or cover one, press man cover one. You can get into cover zero and your your exotic blitzes and stuff like that, too. I'm totally receptive to that. I know everybody wants us to, to blitz the shit out of Mac Jones and heat him up and make him uncomfortable and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't happen unless you stop the run on first and second down and get them into third and seven plus. And that's the that's if we're being honest, this is the entire way the New England Patriots offense is constructed to avoid third and longs. Because they're going to hope that they can run the ball for four and a half yards a pop, and then on average, if they do it on first and second down, law of averages, of course they won't always add up exactly that clean, it's going to be third and one every time you get to third down. And with this offensive line, you need the extra hat in the box. If I'm Miami, I'm probably running a bunch of bare front which means I'm occupying all three interior offensive linemen with a body on a body. The objective here is to really challenge your ability to double team inside. I don't want the Patriot, I don't want Unwenu or Mason to be able to double team with Wynn, Andrews, or Brown at either the tackle or center spot and get two-on-one situations. So by going man-on-man, you're effectively eliminating a lot of those opportunities to double and climb to linebackers at second level. So I'm trying to build a brick wall from B-gap to B-gap. From there, you know, and that, that may well be rotationally Wilkins, Davis, and Sealer, and then Agba's in more of a true outside role along with Jalen Phillips. So it's it's going to be five-man on the line of scrimmage, two-stack linebackers behind it. And then I'm going to have a safety that rolls down. It's going to have to be Eric Rowe because of the coverage challenges in play-action passing, who's rolled down inside of 10 yards uh, and is the eighth man in the box. I really struggle to see what New England does to get out of that because their other wide receivers are Kendrick Bourne. Okay, he's a speedy guy, but he's not a very productive receiver. Matthew Slater, Gunnar Olszewski, and Malcolm Perry, who's listed on their depth chart at running back. 
I want nine bodies between the hashes as much as possible. And, of course, if the ball's sitting on the hash, it's not going to be true, so it would be between the numbers. But I think that is the recipe for Miami to keep things clean for Elan and Roberts and to keep things clean for Jerome Baker. Now, the challenge is here is if the Patriots come out and counter that with a lot of the power sweep stuff that the Broncos pulled out last year. And if that's the case, you need your end men on the line of scrimmage, Agba and Phillips, or Van Ginkle or whoever it's going to be, those guys have to make a mess of the pullers. They have to blow the pullers up and, like, spill the run. You cannot get two yards upfield, try to shoulder the puller, because now the crease is inside of you, because if they're blocking down, let's say you've got Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, and he blocks down on Christian Wilkins, who's lined up in the B-gap, and they pull the backside guard, which is going to be Shaq Mason, and they pull him around to the left, and Emmanuel Agba steps up and challenges Shaq Mason pulling around. If he does not squeeze that adequately, they can lead through there with either a second puller or a fullback and get a fit on Elan and Roberts, and now it is... Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris one-on-one with Eric Rowe, presumably. Or else you're looking at a very, very explosive play. So the pressure on those power sweeps falls on the end man on the line of scrimmage to squeeze and identify that that pull is happening and do it quickly enough that you do not give a crease inside. I think that true base personnel that we outlined is probably going to have to be necessary with two tight ends on the field uh, for New England a lot more frequently than you'll see in any of the games that's played this season. So your base personnel, two safety, two DB looks, like you're going to get more run today or on Sunday than you will probably get in any game with this personnel grouping. So just be ready. You know, New England, is they're a little bit of a throwback. And fortunately, Miami is built with big bodies and physicality in the front seven. And, you know, everybody's concerned about the ability to stop the run because it wasn't great last year in stretches. Player development's really going to define how effective that game plan that's just been outlined offensively or defensively for Miami uh, is going to work. It worked pretty well last year in, with Cam Newton at the helm. And that was with the threat of a running quarterback. So I like your chances there, but your linebackers, your safeties, you really got to be disciplined, dialed in, read your keys. Don't allow late developing tight end routes across the middle of the field or late releases, leak releases to get your eyes in a spot they're not supposed to be. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are tremendous. So whether you're looking for something to grab and go, something to serve as a meal replacement, something as a midnight snack, you name it, Built Bar can be it. They've got 100% chocolate on all their bars, high protein, high fiber, low calories, low sugar. They're keto-friendly, and they're absolutely delicious. 
So right now we got a chance for you to save 15% by visiting BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCKED15, and you'll save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Football season is back, so let's make the most of it with a better way to create your custom pool at RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Run Your Pool makes it ridiculously easy to run a football pool with friends, family, or office mates. They offer dozens of formats, including Survivor, Pick'em, Squares, Margin, Confidence Pools, 33, and more. Run Your Pool hosts formats for NFL and college football with one-week games, full season, playoffs, or the Super Bowl. Unlike other fantasy sports platforms, Run Your Pool has options and settings to make it your own. You can even brand your pool for your local business, bar, or restaurant. Check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use the promo code locked on at checkout. Anywhere, everywhere in the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. The NFL season starts September 9th. Start today at runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes. Offensively for the Dolphins. I think there's a couple bullet points that... Um, I noted down in preparation for kind of working through a game plan. Offensively for Miami, when I look at what the Patriots are going to have, they will not have a number of quality pieces on defense coming into this game. Byron Cowart being out, would not sleep on. Raekwon McMillan is out. Stephon Gilmore is on PUP. Anthony Jennings is on IR. And then they have two really talented rookies, Joshua Bledsoe and Cam McGrone, who are on non-football injury list. So what I want to accomplish if I'm Miami is I want to find opportunities to attack Jalen Mills in coverage. Uh, Mills currently listed as the other starting corner opposite J.C. Jackson. Uh, Jonathan Jones is a good option. Uh, as a depth piece, Joe Juan Williams was a second-round pick in 2019. Um, has not really materialized the way that they would have hoped. And I don't want to sit here and say I'm not going to throw at J.C. Jackson. I don't think he's that kind of a player. He's got a great nose for the football. He's got fr- tremendous ball skills, productive player. But I want to find Jalen Mills. And if they're going to try to play man, if they're going to try and man you up, I want to see the Dolphins have a lot of movement at the snap. I want to see the Dolphins have a lot of bunch sets with switch and swap releases. And the objective there is you want to get the defensive backs, if they're going to play man, on different levels instead of just lining up like birds on a fence and allowing them to press you across the board. So movement at the snap can, A, give you a head start. If you're running an in-breaking route and you line up wider than your split and they reduce you down and motion you down and they come into a bunch set and you're moving horizontally along the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball and then you can take off and release into your inside pattern, that's a great way for you to Establish some more separation, and that's the really big thing when, you, you, when you're when you playing man coverage, right? And, and the classic example is mesh, the mesh concept, where you've got two inside shallow crossing patterns 
both run across the, the inside of the field. Occasionally, you'll see it at the, the college level where these guys will reach out and they'll slap hands when they run past each other, give each other a low five. And it's, it's to really emphasize that point of staying really tight with the mesh. Those guys are taught, if you're getting man coverage, keep running. Run all the way to the sideline. If you're facing zone, after you cross the mesh, find the void and sit down. Don't run curls. Don't run sit routes. You know, keep moving against man coverage. Don't just run a little hook and stand there. Stay fluid and stay moving offensively if you are a pass-catching target so that you're constantly moving away from leverage in your route. Don't turn man coverage into playing in the low post where the guy gets on your hip and you just kind of stand there like, uh, you throw me the ball? And the ways that you can accentuate that is movement at the snap. So I think pre-snap motion and tight, reduced splits with switch releases where, you know, if you line up in a bunch set, somebody's responsible for the man on the line of scrimmage, right? But if the man on the line of scrimmage is the second man in the bunch, and he ends up running the outside release, if they are passing off, based on who goes to what area, you run the opportunity then of creating some miscommunications on the back end. That's really appealing to me when you're missing Stefan Gilmore. As far as running the football, this offensive front, oh, they've, they've got heavy hitters in Donta Hightower and Matt Judon and Henry Anderson's no slouch and Devon Godchow, obviously transplanted from Miami. If they have the gall to put Devon Godchow across from Robert Hunt, I'm double-teaming the hell out of them when the opportunity arises itself, provided that they're not playing bare front. And I'm going to challenge Devon Godchow to show up. Because for all of the love that exists for Devon Godchow, I did not think holding the point of attack was an area he was particularly good at in Miami. Couldn't really rush the passer at a high level either. So I don't want to sit here and, and suggest that the Patriots have slouches on the defensive front. Now, I think Byron Cowart, them missing him, is a loss that hurts. As far as explosive plays, uh, I do think the Dolphins need to try to manufacture some with the speed that they're going to have on the field. And I think that needs to come from play act, true play action and max protect. If I'm going to take a shot, I'm probably doing two-man routes vertically down the field with some kind of deep cross, and I'm trying to get horizontal and vertical stretch at the same time. So whether that's one guy is running vertical and the other guy is reduced split on the other side of the field and he's running the deep over out, and Alabama did that with Jalen Waddell all the time, that's how I'm going to try and create explosive plays. What I don't want to do is come out and empty and five wide and try to throw the ball around the field and expect this offensive line to hold up with any level of consistency. 
Now, if they can come out and do that and, and run tempo and get a, a personnel grouping trapped on the field or whatever, and they feel like there's blood in the water and they want to expand out to that, okay. But if I'm going to take the long developing shots, I think it's worth Miami's while to max protect seven, eight in protection and make sure that this offensive line affords to the opportunity to have the ball for three, three and a quarter seconds and take a shot vertically down the field. And finally, from an RPO perspective, uh, th- we need layered RPOs. This cannot be a binary read. This defense is too good. This coaching staff on the other side is too good to simply say, I'm going to throw the glance or give the ball. And I would love for their reads to be predicated on things other than just what's the, the hat count in the box. If I got two high safeties, I'm automatically going to give the ball. I think that's a recipe for playing into New England's hand and doing what you want them to do. So don't take that as your pre-snap indicator. I would love for them to have pick a side where you've got, and they did this some last year, where you have slant bubble on one side and the other side is kind of the now screen if they're going to play way off. And then you have some level of either inside zone or split flow or something like that. Uh, as a run concept between the tackles. Giving the opportunity to choose a side based on defensive leverage is going to be helpful, but even beyond that, having reads that are predicated on hash defenders, um, having reads that are not just predicated on one high or two high safeties, I thought that was one of the big flaws with the RPOs the Dolphins implemented last year a lot of the times, is teams were content to say, okay, we're, we're going to play too high, down the stretch and just give you the look to run the ball, but we we trust our defensive front. You're not going to blow us off the ball, and the Dolphins didn't win that. And I don't think the Dolphins can afford to do that against New England of all teams, too. So those are some of the things for me is, is identify early on whether or not you're going to get a lot of man coverage. And if you are, utilize the speed that you have by running away from leverage and using routes that you know, slants, in-breaking routes, digs, shallow crossers, and get away from leverage and manufacture some added separation with pre-snap motion and condensed sets with uh, bunched and stacked receivers. And don't just elementary release. If I'm the inside guy, I'm going to run my inside route. Well, no, sometimes have them tight together and have the outside guy run the inside route and try and get them to flip-flop. Layers to your RPO game. And I do think there's opportunities here if the Patriots are not going to go with bare front to really get after these interior guys for Miami in the run game. And I think that's where the hay is to be made. Uh, you want to run at Kyle Van Noy and find out if he's going to put his money where his mouth is? Let's absolutely do it. But I think the money is to be made working guys like Guy and Godshall and trying to climb to Hightower as compared to trying to run off tackle uh, with consistency. And find Jalen Mills in the passing game. Those are my bullet points uh, as far as what I believe is to be a winning game plan. Uh, And then obviously win the special teams dynamic as best as you possibly can. Who do I think wins? You're going to have to come back on Friday and find out. That is going to do it for us on today's episode of Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys have a great Wednesday. Look forward to hearing from you all again. We'll talk again soon. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins.
Week one right around the corner, so make sure you keep it right here. Thanks for listening.